0: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast. I'm your host, Travis flock and tonight I'm joined by Ola and RJ. Uh, tonight, we come to you after the appointment of Thomas Tuchel has led to two matches in charge, one again at home against Wolves and the other one at home against Burnley. And both of them ended um, without any goals conceded. Uh, but however, Bro- Burnley was the match ended with three points and Wolves points were shared. As it was a nil-nil draw, uh, there was a clear difference in the style of play overall. It seemed like you know, as far as uh, the the speed at which the ball was being moved around the pitch was seemed to be increased with Tuchel, as well as you notice the amount of passes that were being played was not increasing with Tuchel, and that was evidenced by his first half in charge of Chelsea Football Club. He broke a record for the most passes in a first half with four hundred and thirty-three. And uh, so I guess with that, it kind of shows there has been uh, a little bit of a difference. And maybe, especially for some individual players as well, there's been some massive upticks in performances, specifically Cho. And then we've seen some other exiled players return, such as Rudiger uh, and Alonso. Um, In the first match against Wolves, we saw a lot more of the experienced older players, more veterans that have been around take the field. And some, there were some uh, questionable decisions there, But I, you know, in terms of maybe with some Some of the thoughts are I think it maybe boils down to the fact that older, more experienced veteran players are probably more likely to pick up, learn, adapt, and enact the tactical instructions that are being given in a very short space of time. Uh, And then I think the match against Burnley overall was uh, maybe a testament to how well that Thomas Ducal is going to be equipped to just break down these low block sides based upon how quickly he's able to move the ball around, create space, and then exploit the weak sides of those weak, uh, low blocks as you're starting to move it from one side to the other or vertically. You know, those are some of just the quick recap thoughts I had from the match. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more now with, uh, with our other hosts. So first, I want to go ahead and give RJ, I want to give you some uh, time to talk about your first impressions from the Thomas Tuchel era after we've seen the uh, two matches in charge so far.
1: Yeah, thanks, Travis. And good day, Ola, and to the, our listeners out there. From my perspective, I've been pretty impressed with how Tuchel's come on board in a very short space of time and managed to achieve a pretty positive impact, both from a cultural point of view, from my observations that the players look a little bit more reinvigorated, but also just from a performance and a results perspective. So, first up, as we were aware, he took over the Wolves game with one session. But from that one session, what we were able to see from the boys and to their credit as well, is that they looked like a team that was willing to embrace a change and try to, hand on heart, put in a genuine go to try to affect Tuchel's instructions during that one session. I thought that game, we were probably a little bit safe in the sense of, yes, we looked energetic, but we struggled to create so many guilt-edged goal-scoring opportunities, albeit a couple half chances, which on another day we we might score and then we, we're having a different conversation. But I thought the similarity in terms of the Wolves game and the Burnley game is that we looked to play a high-tempo game and to move the ball around quickly and also the off-the-ball movement for me, which is quite important because the profile of the opposition was very similar in the sense of, The game plan was probably to try to frustrate Chelsea with their thoughts being that we're going to yield possession and territory but try to hit the Blues on the break. So versing two similarly profiled teams, I thought the real positive for me was that we improved from the Wolves game coming into the Burnley game. So I thought to show an incremental improvement was important for me to see. And that comes with a few extra training sessions. So that's always good. But I thought the players chosen were a little bit of a surprise element to me. But I suppose on the other side of the coin, I shouldn't be too surprised because with a new manager, it's a clean slate for everybody. And I've said this many times to people that Chelsea have a very large squad. And given it's a very strange season from a the way fixtures are scheduled and the congestion, et cetera. It's so, so important that we fully utilize the depth of our squad to the best of our advantage. And now we don't know what goes on behind the scenes and you're gonna have favorites and players that are higher performers than others. So naturally they're gonna play more minutes and more games than the rest of the squad. But I think it's so important for a manager to be able to not overly rely on a core set of individuals but try to balance that with the individuals that aren't getting as much game time because they're going to help those core players and allow them to get that vital rest that they need, especially coming to the back half of the season. So I thought, in summary, so far so good. Really surprised with the way that the players have taken to it so quickly. Been reasonably impressed with some of our squad slash fringe players and perhaps this is a... A chance for a bit of a redemption or a clean slate for them. But I will add the cautious caveat that it's still very early days and we verse two teams that in all reality we should be getting some positive results. So I'm keen to just observe how we go against the likes of a wounded Spurs as well as some of the harder fixtures coming up.
0: So with that, I was going to go ahead and move to Ola next, I'll let you get some thoughts in as well.
2: Okay, thanks, Trav. Um, my, my first impressions of Tuchel have been positive, very positive. He, he he seems genuinely happy to be here, and he might just be saying all these things to impress the fans, but that's what management is all about, eh? impress the fans. But yes, uh, he, he does seem genuinely happy to be here, and um, with what he has been able to achieve in being... four four days at the club. Yes, it's against Wolves and against Burnley and this they are not they are not top sides by any stretch of the imagination. So it's important to apply context to the performances. But what is impressive though is these two teams playing against Chelsea anyway they would they would be banking on counter-attacks a lot. I would consider the only one counter attacking in both games. And I think that that's a bit different from what we've, we've seen play high lines. And we seem to have been able to control the game completely from, from that high up the pitch. And that's impressive. And in the last two games, it has seemed, how can I put it, it has seemed so far. Because we have made Wolves and Bonnie look very ineffective. They've not, they didn't come forward. More. Bonley only had a shot in the 90th minute, 90, 93rd minute thereabout. And apparently, Tuchel is the first manager since Rafael Benitez to get two clinches in his first two games. So for someone who is possession, who plays possession-based and plays a higher line, that's, that's quite impressive. And it takes a lot of load off our centre-backs It's it's still it's still good what Tuchel has done. Concerning the lineups, I I'm not paying much attention to that now because he can he can look at team reports and he can look at he can watch previous matches, but ultimately he has to make a decision for himself. And to make a decision on these players, he has to watch them play. He can't afford to use the evaluation of of previous coaches. I, I like what I saw for Marcus Alonso because I didn't expect that and he started and he did well, so I'm happy. Some players have still not gotten appearances yet and I'm not panicking. I'm not worried because many, there are many games coming and with the this, with this style of play that Tuchel uses, he's going to need a lot of players' fit as well and um, we saw his interview where he talked about why he benched Ziyech and why Ziyech didn't play and why he played Marcos Alonso. So we can see a lot of intent, we can see a lot of purpose in what he's doing and that is, that is good to see. It, 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 it gives him a, a solid ground to stand on. Chelsea has a lot of talented players and, and a very big squad and having a manager who knows how to How to use everyone. Some people will still find themselves on the sidelines for long. And that's not something you can really avoid when you manage a team. You can only start 11 players and some people would would, would miss out in most games. That's not something anybody can really control. But so far, I, I like what I've seen from him.
0: I think that, uh, yeah, from what I hear from everybody, you know, uh, responding on this, there's something that stuck out to me is both of you picked up on the fact that, you know, we have different players and it's sort of this clean slate with a new manager. And Ola, then you started talking about we kept possession and really limited all the chances from Wolves and Burnley to a minimum, uh, especially in Burnley, I think that before their last second shot, they were going to be one of the first or if not the first club to have zero on their expected goals for an entire match this season. So that that's a one thing I think that we need to capitalize on if we can continue with this new style of play is you know keeping the ball and absolutely limiting the amount of chances the opponent is getting to little to none, if any at all. And I think that's the most positive thing is because early on, it seemed like we were, we were keeping possession. We just weren't being effective enough and we were still being beaten on the transition and that gets kind of what i was going to say next is that you know we were being beaten on the transition many times especially it seemed like the jova siege or you know the, the georginio kova siege midfield pairing under the lampard era it just really wasn't that effective and you know you slowly saw it uh phased out more and more when you really wouldn't see them together and So, you know, we come back into the Tuchel era when, you know, we said it's a clean slate for all these players. Every man, new manager has to figure out their own squad and so on and so forth. And that's what I think was so strange, I guess is the word for me, is that we saw this Jovis each pairing uh, in midfield and we weren't, haven't been overrun now for two straight games. And that was so prevalent. We were just overrun in the midfield. And I think that that uh, adaption to three at the back and you have these two, you know, what, Foucault is calling the, the you know, the double sixes in the in the formation and the lineup, it is really making maybe a big difference, especially with the style of play we are going with. So I just wanted to ask you guys both, uh, you know, before we get any further, how you feel about that. And, and you know, you've also seen, um, I, I know Marcus Alonso will be a big discussion point and, you know, obviously how good Callum hudson Madoy is doing at right wing back. So I just want to give you a chance to talk about, you know, like, part of the reason why you think that the the new midfield, the, the continued midfield pairing of Jova Siege uh, is starting to work now. Um, and if this is maybe a viable midfield pairing going forth, or if you think they'll see heavy rotation, or how do you feel that you see this midfield room working out?
2: And I'll go ahead and start with you first, Ola, uh, this time. Okay, um, the three at the back is, I think it was a, a smart choice by Tuchel because coming in midseason, he, he has probably seen that we've been playing four at the back and we've been struggling. So to give us some sort of defensive solidity, I think that might be part of the reason he went to three at the back. But I think three at the back has helped every, everyone involved, really. It has helped the, the full backs or wing backs. It has helped the center backs. It has also helped the midfield. The double sixes we we're talking about with Jorginho and Kovacic, I think part of the reason why they've looked solid, is because they've, they've played in front of three centre-backs. This is not to take away from what they've done, but it, it helps everyone, really. Marcus Alonso was able to, you know, he featured against Burnley and he scored that magnificent goal, but I noticed that he was just, just like we saw with, with Antonio Conte's 3 4 3 six. He did not have to do a lot of as, as much running back as he would have had to if he was playing in a Lampard system or a Sarri system, for instance. Having Jorginho and Kovacic make so many passes against Bondi, they made a lot of forward passes as well, not just sideways passes, because people have, have tried to pick holes in their game and, say, and asked, oh, how many passes did Jorginho make to Kovacic and vice versa? I, I think they've been—they've looked solid, and that's not particularly them suddenly being a good pivot. There is not to say that they've not played well; they have, but it, it's, we, it, its we shouldn't ignore context uh, when we're when we're evaluating these things because this context would would come in later, and if we don't acknowledge it now, it will look awkward later. When we play sports, it's been interesting to see who, who he deploys in the midfield pivot. If it's still Jorginho and Kovacic, then we'll be able to see how they do against a, a more structured side. Because make no mistake, Tottenham have not been good lately, but we don't expect them to be this bad against Chelsea. That's not something we can hope for. That's just a luxury that when we get it, we would appreciate. But we can't really expect that. Uh, I, I want to talk about Marcos Alonso because he started out of the blue, his first game in five months or thereabouts, and he, I would, I wouldn't say he played particularly well because he wasn't given a chance to. Maybe it's just me, but it seemed like the the, the Chelsea players were avoiding passing to him. I saw a lot of phases of play and a lot of passages of play where. The ball could have just been played to his area and the play would have flowed more smoothly. But instead the players tried to break the lines or switch to the other side. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the one just saying things. But it seemed like he was he was being ignored. But because they couldn't ignore him for the whole game, they had to pass to him at some point and he scored that magnificent goal. So you know. For Tuchel and his selections, that would do him a world of good. I mean, no one is particularly expecting him to start over Ben Chilwell or every, every game that they are both fit. But, you know, the whole point of, of taking opportunities is giving the manager a selection headache. And now Tuchel has something to think about.
0: Yeah, very well said, Ola. Uh, you covered quite a bit there um, as far as a lot of the changes in the lineup. And I think that's good that, you know, you covered that very well. Um, and, you know, I think that you did give a lot of good context there uh, discussing that, you know, especially with the midfield pairing, that when you have that three at the back, it makes a, di- a big difference as well as, you know, Burnley and Wolves were more than happy to sit on the back foot. And then that context is important because that possession-based play is not only easier, but usually more effective against that low block, um, you know, kind of parking the bus style of play. Uh, and RJ, uh, also wanted to let you get your thoughts in about kind of the formation change with three at the back, you know, the success that we're seeing of the Kovacic-Jorginho pairing in midfield and the kind of this new buccaneering role at right wing back for Callum Hudson-Odoi and just anything else, you know, anything else you have to comment on about this new formation change
1: Yeah, thanks, Travis. And I believe Ola covered off some very good points. And the key word that stands out for me is context. And I know it's an overused buzz term, but it's so important here, guys, because first up, it's two games in against two teams with a similar profile, as I mentioned. And that profile is to allow Chelsea to dominate possession and territory, et cetera. So I think I'm very pleased with the way that the back three has been used. And in particular, the little gems that have been unlocked in Hudson-Odoi at right wing-back, which I'll happily admit it wasn't something that I I envisaged, but credit to Tuchel. He had that vision and thought that he could deploy Cho there, and so far he's proving that that has been a masterstroke. So long may that continue. But in terms of the Jovicic pairing, I think I've, I've been pretty impressed with how they've gone over the last couple of games. And while I know that they don't offer the defensive security and have been criticised in the past for being out-muscled and leaving us exposed in transition. I think that there's a place for them with the caveat of it depends on who we're versing. And I think that's very important to acknowledge. And this comes back to my earlier point about the need for Tuchel to depend more broadly on the squad as a whole. And this is where I think when you're going to get into the bigger games or different types of profile of opposition. He might prefer to have the more dynamism of a Kante and might sit out Jorginho or vice versa. He might want to trial Gilmore and Kante where we're trying to get a little bit more presence. But I think it's a good problem for us to have. And I think that what we've seen over the last couple of games is a bit of a microcosm into Tuchel's plans that he plans to fully utilize the depth of his squad. Based on the opponent and style of play. That to me reflects someone that has an idea about and a, and a strong purpose about the trying to rely on the different characteristics and strengths of his squad and has a clear vision about how to get the best out of the profile of his players. And that's probably one of the nuances about having someone like Tuchel who has a lot more extensive managerial experience. Versus someone that's trying to find their feet and grow into that over time. So credit to Thomas on that front. As for Cho, wow, hasn't he been something in that right wing back? I actually put out a tweet earlier today or yesterday. Time goes so fast these days, it's hard to keep up. But I just wonder whether or not, given how innovative Tuchel is with his thinking, whether or not he'd consider trying Cho at the left wing back position, because A, who would have predicted he would have flourished at right wing back, so why couldn't he perhaps do the same at left wing back, and why I'm bringing up that proposition is I'm very keen to see perhaps what it might do for someone like Reese James, because I thought he had a pretty good cameo when he came on against Burnley and actually almost scored within a minute or so of coming on the pitch. Now, that's not to say Alonso didn't have a strong contribution. I did think the goal perhaps overinflated the performance. Like, I didn't think he was sensational. I thought he was solid, but that goal obviously stole the headlines. So I'm thinking against a stronger opposition who have some real pace up front, and this is where the whole son debate in the Spurs comes up, is if you have a player like Alonso who's not renowned for his speed, or defensive organization and capability does that present a bit of a threat in those spaces that he leaves behind i'm very interested to see how Tuchel approaches that and we'll get into that a bit later so i'll just leave it at that
2: sorry um concerning your your at left look back i i see some potential problems with that for instance if, he, if it was to be at left wing in a 3-4-3, three, three, that would work. But the, the wing-back positions, I think, are uh, more for same-side-footed players in that, you know, to play the, the left wing-back, you probably need to be left-footed. It will just be more comfortable. I see your point about speed and needing someone faster to to track Son or whoever it is that might play there. But I think you yeah. not been... Left-footed might hinder him, especially going forward, because we know the position requires attacking and defensive responsibilities. So, if we are considering only the defensive side, then we might see Hughtinado's speed. But I think we need to also consider how it will be going forward. It would be quite awkward for him to try and put crosses in with his left. I think I think Chihuahua probably starts against against Spurs. The, the the good thing is is I think Tuchel takes into consideration all these things. He has shown that he's a very thoughtful person. He would think about a lot of factors making his selection. He wouldn't just go by Alonso scored against Burnley, playing against sports, because different types of opponents, different types of threats and all of that. But I, I see your point.
1: Yeah, and I take your point too, actually, just on that. And I and that's why I should have prefaced that comment was I don't think that would be my ideal preference. I, I was just throwing that curveball because Tuchel's already given us a couple of curveballs to begin with. But I agree, I'll. Um, yeah,
2: that's, yeah. if
1: any. I do agree, though. I, if I was Tuchel, and obviously not, but if I was Tuchel, I would probably want to give Chilwell a go to prove himself against Spurs because I, I do have a bit more trust in his defensive capability, and I don't think necessarily. His attacking contribution is that bad either because I think on balance of things, if someone was to describe what how does Ben Chilwell stack up as, a, as an overall defensive versus an offensive-based player, I dare say most people would say he's reasonably good going forward and actually not too bad at defending, where he's not supreme at either way. Whereas I think with Marcus Alonso, he's... He's really good at going forward, but not really good defensively. So I do think Tuchel will probably give Chilwell the opportunity to stake his claim for the Spurs game.
0: I think one thing too that to think about too is that Chilwell is also just a superior athlete at this point of, of their careers. Um, you know, I think he's the, the overall in just quickness, um, acceleration, and just, you know, you know, kind of pace and power terms. I think he kind of has that edge over Marcus Alonso, but however, like the one edge that Alonso does provide, that, that the squad kind of needs. It sometimes you could argue is height. Um, if you don't have Giroud or or Tammy Abraham on the on the pitch, sometimes that, that extra you know taller player can make a bigger difference in some situations. But uh, yeah,
2: you know, sorry, something else about something else about uh, Alonso and um, defending. I think the, the one advantage, the one clear advantage Ventura has over him is Ventura can get into defensive positions quicker. They both go forward. They both, they both camp quite high up the pitch in the offensive third. But Ventura can get back faster. So he's in, he's in a better position to defend. I don't think Alonso is bad defensively. I just think when he goes forward, getting back is difficult for him because he can run for ninety minutes. He has stamina, but he's just not fast. So you you would see a yeah, that's chasing, the transition risk. yeah, yeah. You you will see him chasing players. He just won't catch them. Not that he will get tired at sixty minutes. He can run for ninety minutes, but he's not fast. So I, I I don't think he's bad at defending. When he focuses his game on defending, we've seen games where he has this. He has decided to stay back and not go forward, and he has defended well, but. The, the role he plays, whether it's wing-back or, or left-back, requires him to attack and defend. And once he goes forward and he's cut out, he's, he finds it difficult to catch up to his man. And Silva has a very big advantage over him. I don't think he's actually bad defensively. I just think he's just disadvantaged. And it, it's not really his fault, really. He can't make himself fast all of a sudden. I I also saw Tsuku's points in corners and set pieces. I don't think Ben Sewell is particularly good in defending set pieces. Yes, he, he wins a lot of area deals, but defending crossfield balls, when those long balls come in, winning the header against one person is, is very different from when, you know, there are a lot of tall players gathered in the box and the ball comes in.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably part of it too, is, you know, he maybe offers that extra boost from set pieces in terms of defending. But I think that you're right in the fact that Showell recovers faster than Marcus Alonso does. And I think yeah. that's kind of what, you know, RJ and Anil are saying is that that's why I think Ben Showell could have a role as well in this squad, is, you know, he he has the profile to play wing back. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I was running the numbers on him for an article uh, maybe a month or so ago now, but, uh, I mean his attacking output is pretty good overall. I mean for a left for a left back, not even a left wing back. I mean he's doing very well this season and he's getting a lot of, you know, crosses into the box. He's getting quite a few goals and assists. You know, overall he's just had a strong game. Uh so I think he has the profile to survive at left wing back and I don't really know if I'm overly concerned uh about his long-term future at the club. You know, he has a long contract. He has, you know, age on his side. I think he's younger than Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I think there's a lot of factors that suggest Chilwell has a spot in the side. And I guess that kind of transitions yeah. into the next... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, RJ.
1: No, I, just, I had to get this off my mind because I think it's a nice way to close the loop is that the optimist in me thinks that Alonso resurrecting himself to an extent and giving the manager a headache can actually have a long-term benefit to Chilwell because it's good when you have a genuine competition to thrive off. So if Chilwell takes this in his stride and and behaves in the right way and, and really builds from the competition that Alonso is providing him, then it will only serve to help his development given he's quite young, which in turn will help Chelsea's fortunes as well. So I just wanted to add that last sentiment in.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good point, and, and you're going to maybe see that part of it too is that Alonzo is the older player. With I don't know with term, as far as the length of time on their contract. I think Alonzo has two years left, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah. Ten, ten, three.
0: Okay, so you're you're gonna I, th- I think that's a great point is you could see mm-hmm. these two push each other further, and that you know if if is going to outlast Alonzo, it's more likely given contract age. You know, the motto of Chelsea, move on after you're 30, it's a one year deal or you're gone. So I, I think that transitions pretty well into, you know, we've given a, a good case here for Ben Chilwell to still survive if this continues to be a wing back system and a back three. So I guess that kind of transitions into the next thing, which is that we play Spurs coming up on Thursday. Uh, it's, to me, it's maybe one of the most, if not the most pivotal match so far in the season, and that's for a few reasons, and it really just comes down to the fact that if you win, we kind of really get ourselves firmly back in that top four race, and if we lose, you know, we continue to be, in terms of the tables perspective, you know, kind of on that uh, lower, on the on the outside, looking in for everybody else and, and missing out, and I, so I think that it's going to be a, a huge match. It's going to be a, an incredibly difficult match, and we're going to find it much more difficult than the last two, and I think that you know, Mourinho is going to have them set up probably to let us have possession and be comfortable on the ball and try to just absolutely spring lightning quick counterattacks and beat us. So with that said, I, I want to go ahead and give you guys some, you know, what your thoughts going into the match are, what your predictions, do you expect any major changes or more of the same, or maybe the theme of the two player might be, uh, expect the unexpected. So, I'll let you go ahead, RJ. Get your thoughts in on uh, going into the Spurs match. What are you looking forward to? What are you thinking about? Uh, looking forward for formations, personnel, things like that.
1: This is going to be an intriguing clash for obvious reasons, which you mentioned—the context of the season, general London rivals, etc. And what I'm most concerned about is versing a wounded rival, based on who the manager is. So I think. I'd rather verse them at a time where they're going well and we can maybe catch them off guard. But traditionally speaking, we know Mourinho knows how to get the guys when they're under siege and develop that siege mentality to respond with a really big performance. So I'm just really hoping that from a mentality perspective, Tuchel finds a way to rally the troops and really hones in on that. This game, to a degree, it'll be how we can tactically manoeuvre them and out play football a lot of it will come down to basic attitude and desire so I think hopefully we get that right from the start because otherwise it can make for a very feisty affair and we can get caught off guard and the result will follow what I'm thinking from a tactical system personnel point of view is I I do believe that we'll probably go with a similar structure I do think we'll stay with the three at the back given that we are seeing some consistently good signs and Tottenham also are a team, at least at the moment, that will probably would like to try to maintain that defensive resilience and organisation, typical Mourinho style. However, the nuance here will be for me, how does that midfield line up? I genuinely think that Tuchel was saving Kante's return specifically for this game because I am concerned that Mourinho is going to tell his midfield Absolutely go gangbusters. If it's, if it's Jovicic there, I am a little bit concerned against a more physically dominant Spurs midfield. So I probably would start with Kante and Kovacic. I would go that. Up front, to me, that's a, that's a bit of a tricky one because I do expect us to, similarly, similarly with Burnley and the Wolves game, to have a lot of the ball in the right areas. So I probably would be inclined to actually try to start with Giroud. I know that might be a bit of a surprise, but I think if we can depend on him as our target man and help to link in our Mason mounts and try to get onto some of those crosses coming in, I think that can actually be a real point of difference for us. But, yeah, intriguing all-round
0: I I, I I can't remember where I was having this discussion earlier, but I was uh, with somebody, and they brought up the fact they would start Giroud as well. And I said, you know, that might be a viable strategy to have Giroud come in and wear them down and link up play, and then maybe have Werner come off the bench and just you know burn right past the the tired legs of Tottenham.
1: Exactly, exactly. That's part of my man, That's part of the thinking I had. And I was actually a little bit underwhelmed by Tammy at the last game. And that's not to slang on him, who I think overall he's been quite good for us. But I just think in a really tight game, I want this is probably where you can draw on the experience of some seasoned stars and Giroud's world class in that department. And I think a glorious header or a gorgeous little flick to one of his supporting midfield players can be the point of difference.
0: Yeah, very much maybe how like, he's used for the French national team, right? He doesn't, I mean, even though he does still score quite a bit, it's more about his ability to link up with his supporting cast as opposed to his ability to just be the, uh, the one-man show up front.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the million-dollar question is, will the Spurs superstar striker Alonso get his start against him or <laughs> will he be swapped around to give Chill well, an opportunity to impress. So, I'm actually quite keen to see how we line up on that side of the field as well.
0: You know, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier with a question about, you know, Cho and Reese. And I, I other than aside from, you know, the, the dominant foot uh, issue that Ola pointed out, I could see that maybe actually having an advantage against uh, Spurs because Reese does have that ability to whip balls into the box very well. And he also has a really good long uh, you know shot when he rips uh, you know rockets out from you know 20 25 30 yards he actually seems to have a pretty good ability to get those on frame or at least to put some pressure on the keeper to make them you know alert and keep the defense a little more honest. I'd be interested to see Reese as a wing back and I actually think that maybe seems like his better role because there were several times throughout this season and a few times last season, where I almost felt like it was like Marcus Alonso, but just a right back where he was so effective going forward and getting involved. But then yet there would be times where on the counterattack, the, the uh, you know, opposition goes and scores. And then Reese, you know, after they've already scored, like, he comes like tailing into the bottom of my, you know, my screen and stuff. And, like, you know, where are you at? You know, you, you, you didn't track back at all. So I, I've always kind of had this inkling that you know, Reese might be better served as a wing back because it just lets him have a little bit more of an offensive uh based approach than just being a straight fullback. But Ola, do you have anything to, you know, anything that you uh uniquely like look forward to with the with the Spurs match and the lineup or <clears throat> do you expect any changes in the
2: formation? I'm definitely curious to see what's what the goes with against against Spurs. Because I watched was I watched a lot of sports this season. Really, make of that what you will. But I watched Sports last two games against Liverpool and against Brighton, and they were flat. They they looked they looked really really bad, and that gives me some sort of encouragement going into the Chelsea game. But at the same time, we can't ignore that Mourinho is at the helm of that team, and he this is what he's, he, he lives for. He he likes this kind of situations where everything against is against them. They they look to be out of it and then he pulls a, a surprise out of the bag. Hoyber has been one of Sport's most consistent players this season. And we want to send out our best midfield against them. I don't know who I don't really know who that is. I know Kante is in it, but I hope Tucha knows better than me on that considering he has been here for, for, seven, for seven days, thereabouts. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see who he starts. Jose Nadea has been playing well, so I think Jose Nadea makes an appearance again. I also think Marcus Alonso makes an appearance because Spurs are a tall team. I've done the research, I know. They're a tall team and they don't look it, but <laughs> they are, they're actually not a, a, a small team. And I think Chelsea, on average... Has a shorter team than Spurs, and we, we we want as much height as possible in that team. The last times we played three at the back against Mourinho, we won. So I think three at the back would be the way to go again. Tuchel, Tuchel has a a difficult job really selecting the lineup for that game because he hasn't been here for long, and he would we would all expect him to select his best eleven. Now we think we know what the best level is, but for for what we need in that game, it may not be. So I I trust him to to make the right decisions on that. That's why he has the coaching staff and all of that. I think we'll really be tested against us now, So we need to really come with the reaction against Spurs. I I, I really am curious to see who he starts. I I I, I get RJ's point about Giroud. And I, and, I, and I agree, actually. I think it's be, it's be good because they will probably sit back and look for opportunities to counter us. And our, our methods of nullifying counters have worked against Burnley and Wolves. But those are Burnley and Wolves. we we see if it work against Tottenham. If it does, we'll know that yes. We're onto something here. So it's, I'm excited for that match. Not excited... for for King Mason to run wild because I know the neutrals are looking for that kind of excitement. I'm not. I think it would be a real test for our defence and our midfield particularly.
1: You got me thinking, Ola, about the height conundrum of our team and the advantages Alonso offers over Chilwell. But Mm. I wonder how much... I know that Tuchel has mentioned that previously, that's an advantage that Marcos does have.
2: Speaking of height, and Toslam does have a lot of height. Their center backs, though, I notice are not very good in the air, even though they are tall. Eric Dyer seems to be a target in the air because he hardly jumps. And you know, all the world is better in the air, but you know, there's something that could be done there. And yes, that's that's a very good point. Speaking of height, who are looking for height, who else than to go to to Kozuma, who has scored four league goals this season, three of them headers. I mean, I think Zuma
0: has been a good player for us overall this season. Um, and I, I, I think he could do a role uh, in the match on Thursday against Spurs. And, and I think that we might, its I don't want to say, you know, we're going to see him. It's, I don't necessarily think it's who I would choose in this match, given what we've already seen. But I think that we have to realize that Diago Silva has not really played many like back-to-back and especially back-to-back-to-back matches So I think that you might see him if he's shuffled out of the lineup, which could very well happen. Uh, I think Kurt Zuma would be the, you know, naturally be the one to take that spot next. Um, And he is a huge aerial threat. He has four goals this season and and, and coming off of a lot of corners and set pieces. So I think that is something that's very underrated to our game. And I alluded to it many episodes ago now, but uh, that I think that was one of the biggest takeaways is that Kurt Zuma gives this team a really big aerial presence uh, and wow. a threat going forward? So I, I think that could be possible, and if we do get uh, him in the lineup, I would look forward to it. Ex- I don't think he does a whole lot wrong. I know he gets a little bit of stick from the fan base, from what I see time and time. But I really think he's been one of our more solid defenders this season. Um, and if he if he does play, you know that might be able to let us compensate by taking Alonzo out so that we don't get exploited too much by Bergvine or. Or, uh, you know, or son,
2: depending upon whoever or however they line up, they switch the flanks or not. I, I think Zuma's presence in the side is, especially in set pieces, is more like a false nine situation. And I say that because, you know, in a false nine, the person that is the apparent nine vacates the space and other people occupy it. Many times they attract defenders to themselves and leave space for other people because Zuma has that effect in our corner kicks. Teams stick their tallest man, their best aerial threats on Zuma. So, Thiago Silva has space to then exploit those spaces and scores. If teams don't stick their tallest man on Zuma, Zuma scores. So, we've not had, we've not been a threat from corners since Zuma has been dropped from the side. And I don't think that's a coincidence because, yes, Anthony Rudiga is tall and he has won some headers from corners, but he's not quite the trust that Zuma is. So I actually would not be surprised. And when you consider, again, that one of our centre-backs is Cesar Spilicueta, Cesar Spilicueta will lose a header against anybody worth their sort in the air. <laughs> I'm sorry. But Aspilicueta is not good in the air. We've seen him mark Indidi on corners. We've seen him mark Tomas Socek on corners, and he lost both times. And I think if we are thinking about set pieces then, um, is he's, he's, he's quite stubborn in the air. He contests a lot of eras, even though he knows he won't win many. But one of our centre-backs is one of the shorter players on the team, and we can't pretend that that's not the thing. Especially seeing as we may be getting a lot of balls over the top.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair that Azpuk game is not necessarily, you know, winning a lot of aerial duels and, you know, his yeah. strength within that back three is a little more of a, a passing of involvement and be getting more forward like we yeah. saw against Burnley. But, I, you know, I think you guys raised a lot of good points um, and, you know, it gives us uh, Tuchel a lot to consider going into the match, which is a great thing. I think it's been really nice to see early on that some of these uh, little more forgotten players have been getting a little more of a new lease on life at, at Chelsea under Tuchel, which can only, in my opinion, can only raise the standard of competition and therefore performance and play on the field. If everybody's being pushed to a harder and higher level because of the person that's you know right behind them waiting to take their spot on the bench and in training, uh, and I, so I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed so far with Tuchel. And I think that knowing him and his pass management, really just expect the unexpected, and that. He doesn't approach every match just as a very static individual uh he He looks at matches more as you know each one is like a is like a riddle with an answer to solve and and, and kind of goes from there and, and i I think that we're gonna see in defense if I had to take a stab at it, I think we're gonna see Zuma as pilaquetta and rudiger, and then I think at the weanbacks i I think we're gonna actually see. I don't think Cho is going to move off the right yet, so I'll say Cho gets it. Alonzo is probably going to still get the uh, the nod at, at left wing back. I think in this match, and then I think we're going to still stick with you know in forward positions behind the striker. I think you'll probably see Mount again, as well as I think Zek uh, might make his return, and then I think in that dual six role, you're probably going to see Conte uh, if he's healthy, along with Kovacic. Um, and then up front, uh, you know, I, I I might go with Giroux in this one. I think Tammy missed a few too many opportunities in that first match against Spurs at, at the Bridge, and I think that Werner probably doesn't suit the profile for this match as well because if Spurs are parking the you know metaphorical buses and uh, you know very much limiting the amount of space given to us to run into, I don't think that really suits Werner's game very well. So uh, I'll quickly say, I think my match prediction, you know what? It's been a lot of, uh, you know, dark, tough times as a Chelsea fan lately. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just predict a 2-1 win. I think we're going to get this behind us and, and get, get going. You know what? I, I want to be positive. So I, I want the positivity so much, and I want us to get back on track. So I'm going to predict a 2-1 win. How about, how about you, Ola? What do you
2: predict? That's a difficult one. A 3-0 win. 3-0 win. The trouble. To Chelsea. The trouble. <laughs> 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 How about I love you, RJ?
1: I love, I love your optimism, Ola. It's infectious, yeah. my friend. And because of that, <laughs> it's so infectious. I'm also going to go with a win, but I'm going to go probably in between you both. It's going to be a <laughs> 2-0 win. And I think it's going to be a pretty good performance overall that really lets the That's Premier true. League know that we're back.
0: I really hope that's uh, what we come back to after the match and, you know, we get a rec- you know, record again and, and talk about beating Spurs and getting four points from them this season and only letting them get one point out of six. I think that'd be a, be a great thing to come back to. And really, as looking at the table as well. We win this match. And we get a few things go our way because they're, uh, you know, there's going to be a number of the, the top eight that are playing each other over the next few uh, few games. There's, there's a lot of opportunity for us if we take our chance here that we can make up even more ground and maybe we could start actually talking about a legitimate top four race again but before I get ahead of myself there is a big match on Thursday as we've already previewed uh, for you giving us a lot of our thoughts on that and uh, until then we will uh, you know anxiously wait for the match and hope for a result um, and for all the listeners out there until next time keep the blue flag flying up